0: Hi this is Ken Nagel and you're listening to YoMTG Taps.
1: Walks.
2: Welcome to a special edition of YoMTG Taps, uh, the first of several Magic Cruise coverage installments. Uh, what you're about to hear is an interview I did on the Magic Cruise with Ken Nagel. So it's exclusive to YoMTG Taps.
3: Damn right. Yeah, so. Uh, I'm so jealous that I didn't get to go on this cruise.
2: I'm jealous of my past self. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be on the cruise still.
3: <laughs> um, we should start a boat colony. Like, like a Just, magic uh, community a ma- <laughs> that lives on the water and yeah. sails around and plays cards.
2: Yeah, that, that could
3: you be You can sail to all the coastal PTQs and shit. It'd be <laughs> perfect.
2: Yeah, that, that's a good idea. It's too kind good of an idea. Yeah, too good and too expensive. Not really okay. going to happen. But anyway, what you're about to hear is that interview, followed by the presentation that Ken gave to everyone on the Magic Cruise. Um, Evan Irwin from The Magic Show... Uh, also recorded the video of it, Um, so you'll get to hear the audio now. Um, I'm not sure when Evan's planning on posting his video of it, but it's going to be the audio from the same thing. So um, I don't know that the video really gives you that much more of an experience besides seeing Ken Nagel stand there with a microphone, but uh, if you'd rather do that, of course, you need to watch the magic show anyway. Every time, yeah, exactly. So you might as well do that. But you know, if you get want to get like a, I guess, a sneak preview of it, assuming this is posted before it's posted on the Magic Show, <laughs> you, you will have the audio um, and uh, just ahead of time. This was recorded in like a uh, conference room kind of situation, so hopefully, you know, you can uh, forgive me for you know the audio not being. Super high quality. Don't um, forgive him. Yeah, don't forgive me.
3: Don't forgive him. He, he meant it. He did it on purpose. He kept, like, shuffling, like, his hand over the microphone and, like, right. putting it behind his head. And you no, know, what I'm going
2: to do is, in editing, I'm just going to turn parts of it down, especially the really interesting parts. When he starts talking about something, I'm just going to
3: turn the volume really, really low. Just add, like, white noise.
2: I'm going to add a whole bunch of beeps. Like, it sounds like he was just cussing up like the storm Like they do on Jerry Springer. Yeah, exactly. Like they
3: beep like nothing that someone's <laughs> saying, so like they can get more ratings. Like, oh, they swear a lot. I like that. That's funny. That's funny. It's funny because all the swearing. Yo,
2: MTG Taps is the Jerry Springer of Magic podcasts. Is that what <laughs> is that what you're saying?
3: Sure, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll accept that. I like to think we're more the Steve Wilkos. You know, we we have a sordid past, but uh, we're really just out here to help people.
2: I'm not sure I get that because I don't know who Steve Wilkos is. Fair enough. <laughs>
3: That's fine. You don't have All to. Right, well, Hopefully I kinda, somebody will, but I'm an old man, so... Uh, yeah, he's
2: an old man who's two years younger than me. So I am,
3: but I feel like an old man more often than Joe does, I think.
2: Maybe. Maybe. It's uh, because it's he still types www in front of website.
3: HTTP colon slash slash. I'm pretty always, sure he doesn't do that. <laughs> but I definitely do www dot before every freaking... uh. Email or every web page address I ever type.
2: He's old, old school. Old school. so let's get let's get to the interview. Okay, right, so enjoy and let us know what you think. All right, I'm here with Ken Nagel, the lead designer of Worldwake. Hey, Joey. Thank you for uh, for answering some questions for us. Um, I'm going to start off with the same question I've been asking uh, Evan Irwin and Patrick Chapin, which is how how did you get into magic? So I got into magic around 1994.
0: When I saw some p- people playing it on the floor of our new high school, I believe I was in Driver's Ed or PE or something like that. You could take a class in the summer. Mm-hmm. And they're playing this game, it has these cool looking cards on the ground. I believe the first card I looked at was something like Thalid or something like that. <laughs> I was like, wow, so weird. It has these words on it. I didn't quite <laughs> understand what's going on. There's all kinds of different cards. I mean, there's no end of, new, of different cards. And so I would watch them and they put their pile of their cards and things and it just looked like they're having way too much fun. And so I watched them play a whole lot and at some point I learned a little bit enough to that I could just play the game in the fact that I could put a forest on the table once per turn and then play things that cost one or two or three or four. And then count how much, you know, damage my opponent would take if I had an opponent. Right, right. So that was <laughs> around my first time I started playing magic, getting into it, I suppose. And my first magic cards I got from a friend, I bought them for $75. Oh, wow. Um, So I got all his decks and his cards. I remember I had one Plateau and one Jin. So that's when I first started playing magic. Yeah, Those were exciting cards. Absolutely. Uh, That is why... Goliath Sphinx is in World Wake. I remember when I first started playing, my very favorite blue card was Mahamodhi Jin. Right. It's like, well, he has that 5-6, that extra toughness is there. Why? <laughs> it makes no sense. It's so huge. So that is uh, what Goliath Sphinx is doing. It's
2: being a Mahamodi Jin. Now, you, you brought up Goliath Sphinx. That's a card that, when I looked at it, I saw, well, for one thing, the artwork is amazing. That's something that stood out to me right away. But... um, I thought it would be a perfect card for something like M10 or M11, so I'm surprised something like that made it into Worldwake. Do you have any...
0: So every set needs simple cards. Every set, we call you can call them M10able cards, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And c- cards like that are very good for our intro decks. So we have five intro decks we make for each set. I believe it's Mysterious Realms is the deck that has... Goliath Sphinx on the front. It's foiled out. Right. It's a promo card, and you get it if you buy the deck. And there's supposed to be cards that a new player would play, and so they have to be cards that a new player would get. Okay? Right. So you can be excited about Goliath Sphinx when you first start playing the game. You can also be excited about Wolf Briar Elemental, Morden Dragon, things like that, which mm-hmm. is what we put on the front of those kinds of boxes. Okay. So even though it's an ex- expert level set, we still need to make cards for intro level
2: players. Um, Especially on the forward facing of those boxes. Cool, cool. Um, So, what, uh, this kind of, you kind of answered this earlier in your talk, um, but what kind of decks do you like to play? So, I
0: like decks that have uh, giant creatures in them, okay? We call them affectionately fatties. Right, right, you
2: always like the fatties. Always like the
0: fatties. (laughs) So, in particular, around work, I'm famous for having an Urza's Hot Tub deck. That is very good at getting a creature in the graveyard, like a chroma, a chroma angel of wrath, and putting using beacon of unrest, using oven the. All right, I have many cards like that, Kukusho, show the evening star, <laughs> and so it's it's really fun uh, just playing with giant guys, and that's where I have the most fun playing. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there's just me having fun and making the most powerful things happen, but I mean. I don't ride my bike to ride it as fast as humanly possible. I ride my bike because oftentimes it's fun to ride your bike. Okay, so uh, I play magic decks that I find the most fun to play. I was not hired in R and D because I build the most killer decks in the Mm -hmm. world and destroy everybody. Okay, with the best cards, I was hired in R and D because I can make fun cards and make fun decks possible, and I somehow know the boundary between when a card is fun and when a card is not fun. So that's my
2: my expertise, my unique skill. You had mentioned that green was was your favorite color, or is that is that true? Is it green that's yes. your favorite color just because it's pretty much the color of fatties?
0: Yes, green is my favorite color. It is, I suppose, the most fair color. It is the color that usually messes with the opponent the least, all right? So there's a kind of games where you build up over time, all right? We kind of call it Sim City, I guess, around, where you just play your Thalid, and then you get some Thalid Sapling Tokens, and your Fungal Bloom, and then you play your Phthalid, um Devourers, and all your other Thalids, and you're just kind of building up an army, okay? And maybe at some point you'll start caring about, you know, attacking your opponent, especially only when you drew your Overrun or something. Right. So that's kind of Sim City style play, we call it, and... That appeals to certain kinds of uh, gamers, especially uh, uh, the more casual gamer you are, the more it appeals to you. And that kind of thing is, I like too, just making the awesomest monster ever. My favorite uh, Elder Dragon Highlander deck is my Goto deck, Godo Bandit Warlord. Mm-hmm. And I go and fetch these awesome pieces of equipment and just pile it on <laughs> him and actually just try to attack one player and like kill him in one hit. <laughs> one hit okay, With that. 21 damage all out, out of nowhere, that's kind of what I try to do. So that's that's where I get my thrills. Okay, it's 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 kind of challenging to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I find the fun in in magic
2: to be personally. Yeah, you reminded me of a, uh, a f- kind of a casual variant that my friends and I used to play back. You know, when we first started in mid nineties, um, where we would. It would be like a multiplayer thing and we'd have ten turns and we couldn't do anything that's right, to it's each ten other. Turn,
0: ten turn. No rush. Oh yeah, uh, so it'd be a you know, ten turn build up, no attacks, so you just kinda draw the players with, play it. your stuff, but you don't attack yet because it's no fun when you attack someone and they don't have anything. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's supposed to build their stuff up, play with some of their cards. And then you round turn ten, sounds like a good turn. Yeah. You mm. see who has the most optimist stuff, and then throw it all at each other, and yeah. that's That is super casual
2: magic style, yes.
0: So uh, do you have a
2: favorite magic card ever, or is there, or or cards? Uh,
0: Favorite magic card. My favorite card in Worldwake, I believe, is Omnath, Locus of Mana. And he's great for the mono green player, and he goes so huge, (laughs) and he gets to break the rules of you get to keep all your mana. And what's great about that is then you can play the most giantest spell you can possibly imagine. You can play the biggest Wolfbriar Elemental or something. Right. So uh, that's my favorite Worldweight card. I, it might be my favorite card. It hasn't had enough time to grow on me. But uh, I made Onmath uh, all the way for us green mages to enjoy. So I'll go with that. Did he
2: survive all the way from yes. design?
0: Yeah, there was some talk about trying to make him say green colon, put a plus one plus one counter on me, mm-hmm. remove a plus one plus one counter from me, oh, colon, what? add a green mana to your mana pool. It's like, that's kind of how he does work. He's kind of like a shade or something that right. stays big all the time, and you can get the mana back later. Yeah. But when you do this, get to say this, your mana pool, does an empty uh, kind of text. It just reads really splashy. Yeah. If it's like, man, I'm really breaking the rules here. So because he's a mythic and because mythics need to be very splashy um... i've personally pushed really hard to keep the splashier version of his text. like you don't see your mana pool doesn't empty kind of written on cards but you do say put plus one plus one counters on me
2: on cards Great. um... You, you just reminded me of, a, of another kind of question which was an extension of what i had asked you earlier about um... about the rarity level of cards um... about mythics being very splashy uh, Comet Storm, for example, is a mythic rare, and uh, it's obviously pretty complicated. So I can see that's another reason why it could be mythic. But then there's Strength of the Tajiru, which is almost the same. You know, it's just as complicated. It's pretty much the same card. um, But that one's only at rare. Is there uh, Do do you have any... um, I I guess, why would they be different rarity? Why would they be different rarity? So,
0: um, I made Comet Storm and put it in the set... Development uh, came in and made Strength of the Chijuru and put it in the set. And I guess it would be too much of the same up mm-hmm. in the upper rarities. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense for... Like, green mythics should probably be creatures, okay? Right. Uh, truth be told. Uh, the majority of mythics are creatures. So that card is um, there because Development wanted to make it. And... You have to put a card somewhere in some rarity. Maybe it doesn't fit like a glove perfectly, but we put it um, where it fits
2: best, I suppose. Okay. And I, I agree with where everything ended up. Um, is there, I guess, is there a standard deck that you think it might deserve more attention uh, than it's gotten since Cinderkart was released that might have gotten some help from World Wake? So I specifically wanted Mono Green to get better with World Wake. Uh, the
0: Monogreen is not really a theme of Worldwake or anything. It has to do with Manlands or Allies or Core or Vampires mm-hmm. or Traps or, you know, it doesn't have any kind of real theme. But I was like, mono green could be better. Magic is a good game if mono green is actually a deck. Mm-hmm. And so I specifically pushed, you know, Leatherback Baloth, Omnath, Arbor Elf, okay? These cards that you can play in your Monogreen decks and do well. They took Aurum Wreath of Vastwood out of Worldwake and put it in Zendikar, because uh, my card was cooler than their design that they had for the uh, <laughs> green Valakut. Right. The green version of the Valakut cycle. It did something, I believe it made 4-4 four four beasts, like uh, what currently Rampaging Baelos ended up with. So, um, I'm happy mono green is better. The other deck I tried to push a little bit is uh, Big Red. Uh, this is, I guess, like a Masha here, uh, Karuda, is mm-hmm. that... His kind of deck, I believe he plays. That sounds right. You can play a uh, like Seething Song, Sloggers, I guess, yeah. Fireballs, and Stratton of and stuff like that. Just kind of big red spells. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Valakut Mount, we call it Mount Valakut in design. Mm-hmm. It was one of the very, very most popular cards inside internal R and D for all of Zendikar. Okay, kind of summarizes like here's a land has landfall, mm-hmm. kind of and. It says build this kind of deck. It's really splashy. That's why it was a pre-release card. Like everyone can kind of get behind that card, right. okay? And so I was like, we should reward Valakut players, okay? They're gonna like they're actually not trying to kill you with super speedy sparkle mills or anything. They actually kind of build up over time. Right. So I've made like Comet Storm and Chain Reaction is a is kind of a red reset button that right. you don't actually earthquake yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to stop from dying. Uh, chain reaction can clear a lot of like some red cards have problems killing a lot of guys right without hurting yourself in the process um, so like kazoul tyrant of the cliffs is like a red card that tries to slow the opponent down yeah okay things like that so I tried to make uh, slower red cards I guess I'll call it so that big red decks can work That's uh, really at least I mean it can use all the help they can get okay I think mono green can use all the help it can get big red can get, use all the help it can get so I was trying to be a little
2: noble in that Regards. That's uh, that's really interesting. I think Kazoo uh, was one that one of the cards that I saw, and uh, I just thought it was really neat that it, it was kind of an ability that you don't expect to see in red, trying to slow an opponent down rather than speeding up itself. Somehow. Yes,
0: absolutely. So, uh, so there's lots of different speeds. We usually call it um, fast, medium, and slow. Mm-hmm. All right. So. You know, normal magic people, they categorize decks blue as slow, mm-hmm. okay? I guess white as slow, I guess, unless you're a weenie deck, then you're fast. Right. Okay? And, you know, actually, decks of all colors can be uh, any of these speeds, okay? And so, I think it's cool to weird it up a bit and make here's blue aggro, the merfolk deck is this kind of a deck, okay? Mm-hmm. You can also have slow red decks that are just the slow kinds of red decks like my Godo deck is a slow red deck okay I actually just try to play some equipment and then play awesome Godo and then suddenly you have huge problems (laughs) dealing with this awesome giant red guy right um like dragons like huge dragons would fit in this camp Bogard and Hellkite is an example of a powerful late game red card um it's good to keep all this in mind and just not always do the same thing okay Blue decks are slow, red decks are fast. Right. So we try to give tools for, you know, building all kinds of decks. The game is better, lots of different
2: decks can be built. That makes sense. Um, I was going to ask you about Jace the Mind Sculptor, um, which seems to be the face of the set in a lot of people's eyes. Um,
0: yes, so Jace is our only planeswalker in our set in Worldwake. There's just one. He's the He is the one, so he gets to be... The face of the set, he's and lots of our promotional artwork, and I believe he's the most popular
2: card, and the most talked-about card of Worldwake. Yeah, and for a good reason. How do you feel about uh, that card? Like, it, actually, who designed? Who designed? I guess the final version. Was so, a lot of
0: planeswalkers people. go through tons and tons of work. So, I knew that Jace would be something. So, I handed off a Jace. Mm-hmm. I think my Jace was different. I had this weird ability. I believe it said, "Choose a number." Mm players draw that many cards. I saw that on the... So, uh, if your opponent has less cards in their deck than you, they're dead. If they have more, you can actually draw tons of cards and maybe kill them with what very few they have remaining. So, like, I try to make an awesome Planeswalker as best I can, but we have so many constraints on our Planeswalkers in that they have to be fun, they have to play well, they um, need to be... Uh, flavorfully what the planeswalker would do like Chandra's a fire planeswalker she probably burns things Okay, Jace is an illusionist Okay, he probably doesn't like tap things like a frost mage might do Okay, so there's top down stuff going on there's all these constraints and since we're super super um, concerned about what our planeswalker cards will end up being because they're, they're the single most important cards in a set individually. (laughs) We spend so much time on them that they change all over the place. Okay, so I don't know exactly where all that text that's written on Jace came from, but that was the best combination of numbers and abilities to get what we wanted for the card to be. Like, powerful, splashy, and will be talked about, and has good
2: gameplay. Cool. Um, The other card, which... uh a lot of people are talking about is Abyssal Persecutor. Uh who's behind that one? So certainly so
0: Abyssal Persecutor is a card I believe Aaron Forsyth uh talked about first, but he was thrown around in the pit for a little while, people just talking about him. Alright, what if we had this uh evil version of Platinum Angel that you actually couldn't win if you had him, right? It's this is very, very demonic demon. So we tried him out. I said, I have a, a missing black mythic in my set at the time. I'll put him in my set and just mm-hmm. try him. And we had him, and he was a legendary creature because he's pretty cool and splashy. And so he was actually better when he was legendary. He was He was always 6-6 six, six Flying Trample for 2 BB. And his name was like Bayless the Accursed or something like that. And we had him in our playtesting. And he was crazy good. Like we played this guy so much that he played him about the same as the real world plays Bainsler Angel. Like oh, real wow. world's playing Bainsler Angel, going crazy over Bainsler Angel. We're going crazy over <laughs> Bayless the Accursed. Okay. And so one was one thing we thought. Well, if this guy's totally out of control, and everywhere people can play more Bainsler Angels. Okay, to yeah. combat him. At the end of the day, we thought it was kind of lame that in order to just answer your own dilemma of can you win, is to actually just oh, play, play, another, play one, another one. It became a little too—it was too easy and a little too lame. I guess right. so. We took the um, legendary off of him, and that was about exactly the right. I mean, we liked—we could trim a power or something like that, but we we liked him at his huge numbers, and super splashy, which is what mythics are supposed to be. Very very demonic demon. Uh, I think he's the best executed demon in all of Magic up until this point, and I would be surprised if, you know, Magic has a cooler and awesomer demon than Abyssal Persecutor in in five years from now. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'll certainly try hard,
2: but no promises. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a really flavorful card yes. Especially when you have Platinum Angel to kind of compare it to You know, Angel, Demon It's just the perfect That's right. Kind of uh, kind of balance we, there yeah. It's
0: like I had a chance to make an awesome Demon In the, in my set and I was like I'm putting him in, we're going to keep him totally awesome We made Divine versus Demonic right. Okay, there's a lot more awesome Angels in Magic than there are demons Absolutely. Okay, lots of demons do nasty stuff to you Uh... I said, this is a chance where if this is in fact like... If this could be the top three cards in all of Worldwake, or maybe the top card in all of Mm Worldwake, I actually think that's a good thing. Right. Right? Then maybe a demon is running around being very famous, and having a famous demon in Magic, maybe as famous as Bane Slayer Angel, does good things for
2: our brand and our game. Right. So what about that uh, kind of interaction between that and Bane Slayer Angel? Uh, Was that... I guess, did you guys even foresee Baneslayer being such a. So huge we thought
0: Baneslayer Angel was good. It was good enough. Okay, you could play it. Mm-hmm. Something along the lines of Revel Arc, I guess. It mm-hmm. was a five mana white creature. You could play, and it would be good for you. It's a good idea to play with this card if you're in white. Not that. Holy f- Freehold Ace, there's. <laughs> everyone in their mother wants four Baneslayer Angels, okay? Right. She. Bainzler Angel does put all her awesome all up front, okay? Mm -hmm. It is not hiding anything, okay? (laughs) She is very loud, I'll say that. Um, She did surprise us with her popularity. Yeah. Um, But we did have a large fight internally about exactly what numbers we should put on Bainzler Angel. We're like, okay, without first strike, try that. Okay, 4-5, try that. 5-4, try that. Like, no, you're going to Bituminous blast her if she's a 5-4. So, okay, now she's a 4-5. It's <laughs> so, like, nope, she needed all of those numbers and all those abilities to get there. Okay? Wow. So, in the quest to make awesome uh, angels, to make awesome mythic rares, to make awesome uh, all-upside cards that players who purchase M10, if you just played Duels of the Planeswalkers and you want to see what is the best angel that possible, you know, that I could ever see, we try to make sir angel.
2: Yeah. Uh, Are you worried about uh, Abyssal Persecutor kind of not getting maybe some of the attention eventually? Maybe people realizing it's not as good or because of the presence of Beingslayer kind of in standard?
0: Sure. So
2: um,
0: that is fine, I guess. Some people think it's sad that Slayer Angel has protection from demons and dragons, which has a lot of... uh, You know, backlash or uh, collateral damage to and Hellkites and things like that, even in constructive play. Like, it does matter, but to me it's important that it matters, alright? We don't write text on cards that say, you know, this creature has haste on, you know, Tuesdays if you're (laughs) underwater or something like that. It's on there because, you know, angels hate demons... You know, Halo Hunter is a demon that hates angels. That is just the way the you know our fantasy world is. Right. So it's it, to me, it's cool that they all hate each other. That's fine by me. It's it has story, It has character.
2: All right. So yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so for Worldwake, I know you mentioned trying to make Mono Green better, but it, it seems like I mean I, I as a blue player. I'm really excited about the blue in World Wake and um, you know, obviously Patrick Chapin, you know, and, and blue players all over are pretty excited about World Wake. Did you was that kind of intentional? Did you guys uh, really push or want to push blue in World Wake or was So
0: that uh, there's a lot of spiky players inside R and D and normally they like blue. Spikier mm-hmm. the more you like blue it's just a trend. Mm-hmm. And so the truth is, there wasn't much room for blue to go except up. Right. Okay, <laughs> so, almost without trying, blue is really good, just because there are hu- humans have to make the magic cards, okay? Mm-hmm. the car- Those humans happen to be uh, usually fond of blue, so they're usually kind to the blue cards, okay? That's the normal way of it. We are kind of mean to blue most recently, okay? <laughs> And in Worldwake with cards, I believe the famous ones are Jace, the Mind Sculptor, Treasure Hunt, Hallamard Depths, right. um, Cal- Calcite Snapper, Calcite whatever. Snapper, and then I think another blue card in my opinion would be Everflowing Chalice. Oh right, right. But those um, those cards, you know, blue doesn't have anywhere to go but up, and so we kind of we're taking the uh, muzzle off a little bit, I suppose. Now. I see people in the standard tournament here playing with cancel, all right, so you don't have everything. We right, didn't give right. you Counterspell, okay, <laughs> but we're willing to give you other things, okay, that
2: uh, just not Counterspell. Fair enough, I suppose. So did you actually have any, are there any blue cards in that category that, uh, that you designed, or were those mostly the spiky players that you mentioned?
0: Um, I believe I designed Mysteries of the Deep, it's kind of a hint, hint, you can draw cards at instant speed, kind of, okay? Uh, it's kind of an, a, a taboo thing, a faux pas, I'm not sure, that we haven't done in a little while. But um, I, I, don't, I don't have to try, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's not on me to make blue good, it'll just end up being good, because there, there are developers, there's a whole development team that works on all the sets... Mm-hmm. And those players are fond of blue cars. so I don't feel the need to like and
2: so they'll tweak it. Yeah, I don't necessary. need to right.
0: to start that engine, okay?
2: Cool. Um do you have any other World Wake stories that you might have wanted to tell at all that you might I, not have I said guess I, <laughs> I guess I
0: told most of it right, right. already
2: up there. Well, great. Well, thank you very much for uh, for answering these questions. All, all right,
0: there. thanks, Joey.
2: The taps. <laughs> thanks for having me. No problem. Um, thanks for designing such a exciting set. I think a lot of players, uh, Spikes and Timmies and everybody else, uh, are pretty excited about this set. It's one right. of the ones that I think people are more excited about this one than some of the more recent sets even. And Magic has obviously been getting better and better, I think, as of late. So uh, thank you for, for that. And I mean, it's pretty pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited to play with Worldwake. So.
0: All right, thank you very much. I hope everyone keeps on playing. Uh. All right. Good evening, everyone. My name is Kenneth Niggle. I'm the lead designer at Worldlake For the next hour or 45 minutes or so, I will give you a little breakdown of what World Lake is to me and how it came to be. So around a year and a half ago or so, Mark Rosewater came to me. I'm working in R&D. He says, okay, Ken, you've been on design teams. You've been on Morning Touch. I don't want to die. You made a bunch of Naya cards and Shards of You're on Conflux Design. We think you are ready to lead design a small set, so I get the reins for World Week. A little before that, we had just had our first play test of Zendikar, what would become Zendikar, what's called Live. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs>
2: Mike.
0: Yeah, the problem was somebody left
2: it on earlier today, so we're gonna go with the wire
0: mic. Was awesome, got it. Drain you your I water, Ken. Oh, now we can drain. Sounds good. <laughs> it's good. Try to walk a we'll little forward, Ken. Right. There, that's great. All right. Come out of the shadows. So, the very first playtest of Zendikar. I open my hand, I'm playing Mark Rosewater, it's just the two of us. I have in my hand a land that comes into play tapped, it's a mountain. It also says, when I enter the battlefield, you may pay a red mana and sacrifice me to deal two damage to target creature or player. So Mark Rosewater, on his turn to play some kind of merfolk looter or something that's totally undercosted because he doesn't know costs his cards. And so. I'm forced to play my turn two, come and play Tab Mountain, sacrifice it, deal two damage to his guy. So I lost my mountain, I lost my second land drop, I'm not going to hit my third drop on turn three, and all around it was a pretty crappy feeling from what would become the land set. Alright? So that was the very first play test of Zendikar. We found that. It just felt bad when you had to choose between getting your land or getting your spell. This is spell lands, all right? Eventually, you know that card, I believe, is Teetering Peaks, and a similar card in World Week called Smoldering Spires, all right? So there's a lot of challenges in making a land-based set that would play well, because lands are supposed to be kind of the, the boring parts of the game, all right? They're just like the minerals and the Vespine gas in StarCraft, okay? Or the money in Monopoly, you know, just the paper dollar bills, okay? It's not supposed to be all flashy. It's supposed to be the flashy dragons and angels, things like that you're supposed to get excited over, okay? But uh, we went forward, pressed on, we found landfall eventually for Zendikar. Originally it was like, a white mana for a 1-1, one, one, and on a landfall, you get plus 1, plus 1 to end of turn. And there are quite a few of these guys. You can probably extrapolate who they are, what cards they ended up being. And the problem was, when you just play a land, to so you get plus 1, plus 1, uh, your card kind of goes from being this 90% card to 100% card. Okay? So, you didn't actually feel like you did anything. Okay? And this is what a lot of the cards were like. In order to get some more gameplay, some swinginess to it, that's when we increased it to a plus two plus two on the landfall creatures, like Step Links, uh, so that the cards would go from mm, way down in the 50% range of what you could get to the like 200% range. Okay? So this is big and swingy, okay? This is important stuff, alright? You can't just have you know, a planes that gives you a life when it's a battlefield and it's all your cards ever do. They make things go up by one, okay? Big numbers, big swings are important parts of the game. So, this was all getting ironed out, okay, to the point where it's time for me to lead Worldwake. And so, we started our design and we have a big missing puzzle, a piece of the puzzle, is what's something new that World Wake's going to have, alright? So, so this is called a key selling point, a KSP, it's very important in business, okay? Why should I care Okay, about Star Wars Episode Two. okay, or something like that. Sure. It's just more of the same, all right? So, um, at some point we decided we could have manlands in our set if they would just get rid of them in, in Zendikar, okay, so they had something similar to Crusher Zendicon sitting in Zendikar. And I was like, I want that card. Give it to me. I want the players to be starved of their treetop village and their Muni and stuff that they don't have anymore. I want them to be starved of it for a whole set. Okay, from Zendikar. And then, wham, we'll blow it out the window with uh, when Worldwake comes around. This is this is how we named the set Worldwake because we're going to put a lot of man lands in it. The other thing that I stole from Zendikar was multi kicker. Multi was in Zendikar. It was not in World Worldwake. We play tested a bunch of mechanics. Okay, during a mechanics phase of our design process, you need some kind of biteable thing, some kind of keyword thing that players can whisper to each other. It's multi kicker. You can tell your friends about it. You don't you actually don't even know what a card with multi kicker is. Okay, but you can tell your friends about it. That was in Zendikar, they had a big meeting of stuff in Zendikar, okay, allies, quests, traps, um, all this stuff, and Multikicker was on the list, Multikicker got inherited over to Worldwake because there was enough stuff already in Zendikar. This is like a godsend, okay, when you're a lead designer of a small set. I inherited Multikicker as my evolution of Kicker in Zendikar just like man lands are sort of an evolution of land matters, okay, of Zendikar. Okay, Just just, we're just, let's baby step away from what you saw in the set before us. So we took multi-kicker, we made 16 cards, I believe, that made it through. We tried to make very, very simple multi-kicker cards. They were uh, 1C guys that get bigger, plus one, plus one, Okay, these guys are kind of like hydras. Pretty similar to Protean Hydra, I guess. It's a lot of words to write down what a multi kicker card does, so we tried to make the very simplest executions possible. These are very important at commons, and then we blew it a little bit up when we went up in rarities. Okay, so all the way we get all the way up to stuff like Comet Storm sitting at mythic rare. Okay, Comet Storm I inherited from Zinnikar also because they cut multi kicker. So we have manlands, we have multi okay? And after that, we need to make sure players have everything they want for their Zendikar decks, okay? So we continue landfall, we continue allies, we continue quests, we continue traps, okay? We have another planeswalker, okay? A uh, returning planeswalker, and to mix it up, we add a fourth ability to this planeswalker. This is you know one step evolution pass what you've seen before. So these are all cool things you can use to uh, help sell your set. And eventually, we filled all the stuff in Worldwake we thought that was steamed, and then we added lots of uh, holes. This is some stuff that's just in there, just to be in there. Things like Death's Shadow, and I guess Amulet of Vigor, okay? Things like that. Stuff you can play around with that's not necessarily loudly screaming, I belong in Zendikar, I belong in Worldwake and from there, that's when my job is mostly uh, done, some 80% done in development takes a hold of it, and they start ripping through the set, making sure all the cards are fair and fun, make sure that we did put enough allies in the set so people can build an ally deck, things that when you're drafting, is it different when you draft with Worldweight Packs? You know, All this stuff that developers get to worry about that I kind of give them the C's to work with and eventually when that's all through templating comes in and editing comes in and all these things the art director comes in, all the art comes in There's, all the cards are finally finished we see a slideshow and it looks like what you open in your instruments. So that's really quick uh, how Wake is. I guess I've been answering a lot of questions over the cruise, people just randomly ask me stuff. Uh, i am more than happy to answer your questions now. Uh, and we'll start with you. You were saying that that was how you, they finished the development. At how many cards at that, after you've got it all, you think done, do they say, oops, we need to do something different there? So, there's probably around 1000 to 1200 cards or so you've actually designed when you're making a set okay at the end of the day you can only print 145 okay a small expansion is only 145 60 commons, 40 uncommons, 35 rares and 10 mythics okay now some cards in there are super hot and you want to protect like common storm I wanted to protect that card and say we should do this card Super duper crazy complicated, reads like algebra math problem. But I wanted to keep that card. Okay. Now development will come and say, okay, Ken, that's fine. You have, you know, thirty percent of your set is super cool, awesome. You can keep all these cards. Some of them are like, you know, nature's claim or something. That's just a naturalized. That's just to be there as a naturalized. Okay. And that's important to have a naturalize, okay, even though the card isn't super duper cool. Sometimes they'll they'll throw back a whole bunch of slots like that and say, I need a white trap that hoses red, because you made a cool one that is a ricochet trap that redirects and hoses blue cards, so let's do that some more, okay? So then we can change the green trap to hose flyers, but specifically black flyers, okay? Things like that. They'll, they'll come back and say, these cards are doing their job. Try harder on these cards. Okay? And they'll have pretty specific stuff they want. Alright? They're like, we need a red sweeper or something in Okay? Too many people have too many creatures in play. Alright? Change. Yeah. Gene reaction. Something like that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Did you have to fight to keep the green analogue of Storm? star I put in Comet Storm, and Comet Storm has this XY red, red thing going on. We actually would never print XY red, red, okay? Th- there is a fireball card that has XY written on it that is way over the head and not fun math. Okay? At some point you're taking calculus four, math is not fun anymore, okay? <laughs> Magic has a lot of math, we hope it's fun math. So. When we get a mechanic like Multicaker that you actually can do the X red red and then fiddle the Y in there too, then we want to make that card. It's important when you have a mechanic that you can make a card to make it because you might not ever get the chance, okay? So, strength of the Tajuru is the same thing as Comet Storm, just with plus and plus one counters in a different color. It is the XY thing going on we can't make XY cards, except we actually can with multi-figure. So we kind of grabbed it and said, "We can make the card." Uh, it's important to make cards when you have the chance. So that's why we made that particular card. Okay, not that candidate. Well, green mage really wanted to make strength of the I really wanted to make comet storm. Okay, so that's strength of the jujiru. Question. All
2: right. So you are a super casual green mage. Finally gave you Not your super casual. All right, so you're a green mage. You are known as <laughs> the green mage. They so finally gave you your set. Tell me about being yeah, able to design your own green cards now.
0: So, one thing that I look out for is green cards. And I think it's important for green mages to have cool cards, especially like decision intensive cards and lots of rewards for playing mono green. All right, that's why Warren Reef the Basswood was in World Week, okay? Up until the point where uh, development decided that the Balakute cycle, everyone loves Balakute. Okay? everyone in the real world loves Balakute, everyone inside loved and okay? We thought a super fun card, that's why it's a pre-release card. Every card did what Balcube did. All the colors had one. Okay, the white one was kind of what a Mary does, a plane's interview to get a guy back. Okay? And the green one did something I can't remember. It's probably make a 4 beast, or Page and balas does. But we broke that cycle up and they stole Oronry from my set and put it in Zendikar, all right? So that is a uh, a card for the mono green player gets to play that. So I was like, I need more. So I put in Arbor Elf, Leatherback Baloth, Omnath Locus of Mana, okay? These are mono green, uh, has more love cards, okay? Another side of the coin is, uh, in order to make powerful green cards, it's kind of hard Okay, because normally powerful stuff involves screwing with your opponent and messing their stuff up. All right, so uh, I mean, Terracidon, which is mess with all your opponent's stuff if you want to. Okay, yeah. and a lot of green cards make a lot of tokens, like Avenger Zendikar, Wolfbriar Elemental. Okay, Beastial Menace. Okay, that's a lot of green cards in one set to make a lot of tokens, but. Tokens are super fun, everyone loves them, and they can be pretty powerful too, because it's hard to solve a lot of tokens with just a single doomly or something. Um, so I firstly made sure that Green got its due in World Wake. Uh, you can probably thank Mike Turian more, as the lead developer, uh, he gets to make the cards good, I, I just make the cards, okay, so... Uh, Green has a very powerful ally in Mike Turian and a powerful creator in me. So I, I, I didn't want it to be World Way comes out It was like, oh that's green stuff. Who <laughs> who made these cards? <laughs> All right. Other question? Just rough percentages of how many you have designed made it through. Oh it was a lot. Worldwake has, I don't know, maybe a third is, is me, directly put my fingers in the pot. Um, lots of stuff. I mean, not every card is a, a super winner, there's way too many magic cards in the world. Okay, I first picked Kitesail Apprentice uh, a couple hours ago in a draft because I had Mono White, I had a Mary the Sky Ruin, and I had Armament Master needed a core, it was the only one, I didn't make that card thinking someone will first pick this in a draft. (laughs) I made it more that if I just buy a few packs and I like core, okay, then I can use this to build a core deck, okay? Uh, So that card is more doing what core do than trying to be an awesome card all by itself. A better example is core firewalker. Okay, just being an awesome card, Okay, and it happens to be a core, all right? Core Firewalker, very, very well-designed card. Uh, I believe it's Matt Place's card, obviously not mine. We didn't make Core Firewalker thinking, man, red is so crazy, we need to beat up red, okay? It was just, we can put Silver Knight and put Dragon Claw on it, and it's super cool because it hoses red doubly, and it works great with your own red spells, okay? It's just a cool card. A lot of people think that cards are surgically engineered, okay, to be uh, used in specific circumstances. Sometimes we just make cool cards, just to uh, just so they can exist. Um, I can speak more on this if you prefer. I had a Rexiol, The Risen Deep was a card that came from Doug Byer, who's a creative person who does the concepting of the cards. All right, That's why Snapping Creeper is a plant, okay? There's this thing where if you're a green creature in Vigilance, you're kind of sitting, you got your spot and you like snap at them and you stand still, that's kind of the flavor of Vigilance. You can attack and block, it's kind of weird, but he's a person responsible for concepting the cards. He came in with a sketch of a giant legendary Kraken from the style guide of Zendikar saying, we didn't have a place to put this guy in Zendikar. Because you all made an octopus (laughs) called Morthos, the Tidemaker. It was 8-8 with 8 things that did 8 things. It was totally octopus-flavored. We couldn't put a kraken on that card, even though we wanted to. (laughs) We actually forced them to write octopus on the card. So they said, there are nasty things under the water in Zendikar that will eat you and kill you. We need a kraken. Can you make one? I said, yes, I can make you a kraken, Thugfire. I will put it in my mythic rare slots and make an EDH general that I've always wanted to have. I've always wanted an EDH general that can host people who play a lot of time walks, okay? Time stretch? <laughs> I hate that card. I don't know why it's not banned in EDH. So I made a guy that'll island walk on your face and time-stretch using your time-stretch because you are a jerk and put it in your bed. <laughs> and then it will hit you more times while I'm time-stretching. So don't play with uh, time-stretches and Grexio won't wreck you so much. <laughs> that example that of a, like a surgically try. engineered card, okay? I wanted to have fun with that card. But so most cards are there. Uh, Lots of cards are there to be fun, some cards are there for purpose. Rex Steel is my surgical sledgehammer. So you pose uh, time walking blue people in (laughs) the image. It's also an example of a top down. I suppose it's a top down thing.
2: Because it started with the art. I mean, that not that That's true. He
0: came back and said, I need a giant. Kraken. I said, well, krakens are blue, krakens are large, so any kind of sea monster has very large numbers in the bottom right. Okay? Five inches is pretty big on a six-minute blue guy. I know AEA journals are more loved if they're gold, uh, especially two-color, I think, is the tipping point. I'm not sure if three-color is awesomeer than two-color, but I made them gold because more people would love them if he's gold. So is there any others that start with the concept of the set? Um, I look through the style guide, whenever I'm designing a set, I'm designing action right now on the lead designer. This will come out a year, it's like next May or so. And I look in the style guide and I try to see, this could be a card. There was this something in Zendikar, it had some forests and then had some some kind of ice thing, and then it came up, it had... Grassland, and then it had this mountainous thing. And then on the top was uh, some murky swamps or something. It was like this column of all the basic lands together a little bit, okay? Looked really weird. I thought it was called like a mana pillar or something like that. I tried to make a card like that in the file. It didn't work out. But uh, eventually like the slot for that I believe became quicksand because we quicksand is an awesome name card from the past. A super awesome flavor text, by the way. It's something like, not all deaths are glorious. Sometimes you just fall in a pit. <laughs> so, uh, I try to do top-down stuff if I can. I get tons of inspiration for the creative team. Uh, a giant top-down thing that I did get in is Stone Idol Trap. Okay, We call this Boulder Trap. I have a a book that I passed around, right there. You can see my uh, different boulder trap cards that I had in Zendikar. And one of the first meetings of Zendikar, we're talking about uh, this is kind of like the world's trying to kill you, okay, running around trying to find treasures. I was like, oh, like Indiana Jones? It's like, yes, so a giant boulder should come out and try to kill you? Like yes, so I made a boulder trap. It got cut from Zendikar for some random reason. I have no idea. So I put it in my set so that there would be a boulder that drops, squishes you, and keeps coming across. Most people see it as like a ball lightning variant. It has nothing to do with the card at all. It's, uh, it's awesome. supposed to be a giant boulder, but it was less words to write. Six twelve. Then to write card name is indestructible. If you think of boulder, you couldn't really destroy it. So that's a top down card. Uh, yes. Uh, was there a single card that you had to, the, the most difficult to design? Um, yes. What was it? The most difficult card. I probably shouldn't talk about it, which is I of Ugin. All right. This card is really strange. Okay. It's supposed to be really strange. This is a there's a lot of constraints on this card. I can't tell you all of them, but rest assured, this card was redesigned uh, by me, Rosewater, all these people. Like we both we couldn't get it right. We had all these constraints. Development has constraints, it's a creative story points, okay? The eye of Ugin uh, has trapped the Eldrazi, I believe, or it's some kind of key to it, and Chandra's trying to unlock it. Eventually, Brian Tinsman, the lead designer of Rise of the Eldrazi, coming out in a few months, his design made it through to what you see today. And if it's bewildering and weird,
2: it's supposed to be. Uh, yes? Could you explain the differences in designing a second set that doesn't really have a third set, at least in terms of when play and
0: storylines? Certainly, so Worldwake is set two of the Zendikar block. I believe we officially advertise Zendikar Worldwake Rise of the as the Zendikar block, okay, even though the draft format is not that. But since it's mechanically different in Rise, we get to do land stuff in Zendikar Worldwake, and we kind of get to blow it out the, the end. We don't have to save anything, okay? When you're Zendikar, and you have a set after you, I say, I need the man lands. Don't do that. Okay? And I can make them take it out of their set so that I get to do it. When I'm World Wake and I don't have a set behind me, I don't really have to care about saving anything. Okay? So I can put dual lands that turn into man lands and stuff and not care that y'all can't figure out something cooler than this <laughs> because we don't have to think of anything. Rise is going to be different. So was it more designed as like a third set would be? It's very much more like a third set. You still have to pay attention to everything the first set's doing for you. Make sure that you know all the the draft archetypes that are there, all the casual decks that people are gonna make, okay? You have to realize uh, all that stuff, just like a second set would, but like a third set, you don't have to save anything, okay? And the lead designer of the first set, Mark Rosewater, has a block plan. He comes up with, okay, set one is this, set two is this, set three is this. These are the hooks that we can put in these sets that make them marketable, okay? Just like people who make Star Wars movies have to make, want to make three of them. You have to put something compelling in all three of your movies, not make Yoda fight in the second one. You know, leave me wanting. Yes? Uh, there's no white quest in Worldwake, but there's a quest of each of the other colors. You know, I mean, normally you guys would do a full cycle of those. Right, there are a lot of cycles in Worldwake. This is because lots of colors get everything. Every color gets allies, every color gets traps, quests, landfall, man lands. Every color gets to do this. Quests in Worldwake, we... Uh, I'll say this from my design perspective. They didn't leave us very much room, okay, to do more quests. They did five common ones, I think, uh, in Sendakar, and they all do the same thing. they trigger on a landfall, then they do something, Then they made some ascensions, okay, that are bigger quests that are kind of more what I think your quest should be is do some difficult hoop, okay, some number of times. Now something's turned on, okay, and we fought hard to make the white one in Zendikar Luminarch Ascension, and we wanted to just make cool cards. One of the problems with making cycles is, one of the good things is players see them and they're like, oh, I wonder what the white one does. Okay, They get kind of excited. Humans are pattern completers, and they want to know what it is. The bad thing is, sometimes like crappy cards just make it through when they should be killed. Okay, So, we tried to make cool quests without letting like lame one lame cards ride to get a free ride. Okay? And we decided we couldn't make a good enough white one. Like I'm sure you're thinking in your head right now a cool white quest that we could have put in uh World Wake instead of some white rare you don't like. Terra Eternal or something. But yeah, we wanted we only want to make cool cards. We decided that it wasn't it was worth not doing a cycle To make the quest we wanted to make. Anyone else? You talked
2: about Quicksand earlier. How do you guys go through the process of just choosing reprints? Do you just find something
0: that fits the block? Alright, so reprints usually happen uh, naturally. So I put Smother in World because I knew that we're making multi-kicker creatures. Multi-kicker creatures cost very little, and then they you pay a lot of mana, and you get some giant enormous idiot, okay? And a smother would still kill it. I know we were pretty powerful man lands, okay? A smother will still kill those. It's kind of a... It was the card at the time that fit best. We could make smother that doesn't have that you can't regenerate clause on it, which we kind of t- take off cards now. But uh, sometimes Riverboat needs to die, and it's cool to have a <laughs> reprint from the past that was hot in the past it's hot again and the past is like a resource okay so if smothers the best card for the job we'll use smother okay quicksand has a fantastic name it has some history to it, okay I remember a lot of blue decks winning because they had quicksand to protect themselves from orders of the Evan hand River boys so quicksand awesome name has top-down flavor, your guy's walking on the ground and falls in the quicksand. Okay, uh, So that was our cool reprint of uh, land. We had Dryad Arbor in the set for a little while. This is from a future site. It's on the bonus sheet. You believe that we would put it in there. I did put it in there. When you can fetch a land and bit combat and block with a 1-1 at a surprise, so it's like somehow the, these misty rainforests Somehow, can block now in a clutch situation. <laughs> uh, that gameplay was dubious, uh, I guess. That's why we pulled like Mountain and Island off of Teetering Peaks and all those cards, because it was just made War states really complex when you could fetch various effects. So, Quicksand was the cool land reprint, and Dread Over was not. got booted about the twitch or the other so twitch is a card that uh has an effect that we wanted again and you can just print a twiddle effect all right we wanted something that you could like it was important sometimes you can mess with your opponent's lands you can push them over with three disaster all right we just wanted an untap effect we had one on type force elemental but in order to make it uh good enough to play if you draft it you kind of need to have a can written on it so instead of making a dirty card that says, like, tap and draw card and not untap, instead of making dirty cards, we try to just keep the clean cards and has a short name, too, which, like, short bird name. Um, okay. Yes? Wait, uh, what's the uh, Jason Sculptor story? So I have a card in there in this binder here, Jason Sculptor. We had planned to, when I get the set to design, I actually already have the characters, the, the Planeswalker cards that are gonna go in it, okay? I don't get to pick, okay? I'm just the, I'm the gameplay designer. I don't get to design, hey, you know, Liliana's dead, you know, she's not in this set. You know, I, I don't get to make a plot like that. So Jace was going to be in World Wave we knew, and the fourth ability is something we had on the, on the slate, okay? And since he was the only Planeswalker in the set, uh, we wanted to juice him a little more to make him uh, splashier, and so that was more or less decided uh, basically before I got the set, is that it was going to have Jace, he was going to have four abilities. We have to make a new frame, too. Jace actually has the smallest art, I believe, of any card in the game, except for uh, some unhinged cards that make jokes about having small art. So. We planned to do that from the beginning. It wasn't my idea. It was, I guess, Mark Rosewater's plan, okay? We have plans for planeswalkers that are over the top of plans for
2: sets. All right. Can can you discuss anything about it? Question over here.
0: Where did you go to WorldWake would have these two multicolor cards. Okay, the two multicolor cards in WorldWake are my doing. Uh, part of it is, if you have 10 mythic rares, okay, they're supposed to be the splashiest cards in your whole set, it doesn't work if you say white, it works if you go white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green, that works, right? Everyone feels spare, everyone gets two. If you want to do an artifact or a land, okay, it doesn't work anymore, okay, so... Gold is more of a, it's like a tool, okay? I know we had a giant gold block you an entire gold set, and everyone's sick of it, maybe. But it's more of a tool, and that's why I think it works if you do it very seldomly, okay? And M10 has no gold cards. Zendikar has no gold cards. In fact, Zendikar does not even have anything to reward you for playing a two-color deck outside of having gain one life dual hand or lose one life. Fetch land, okay? And those don't really count in my opinion. Okay, so in World like I wanted to have, yes, white and blue like each other, so Jerry Merfolk. Alright? You can also have white and green like each other, Nova Blast Worm. Alright? So I think that's super important for players to know. If you're just starting to play magic, that's stuff you just gotta you somehow learn. Alright, and it's super loud if you say Rexy all there is Risen Deep, he's a blue-black guy can make a blue and black deck. Those are important lessons to teach players, so I thought that we had gone long enough without having gold cards, specifically ally gold stuff that I put a smattering of it in world away. And I think it shows up when you open your sealed pools. It shows up when you draft your cards, too. In a, in a healthy degree. Yes? Um, Worth the cards were pushed harder than you thought would be pushed. later on in the uh, Uh, um, development cycle so i haven't really been surprised by anything i know everyone thinks jace is totally sick but we like to have planeswalkers be totally sick they're like the face of our entire brand okay you you would not want yoda to be a weakling in star wars right since he's on all the products so we we're happy with our planeswalkers being awesome I guess Tectonic Edge is a, is a strong card when I thought that that's not quite what we normally do is print awesome stone rains, okay, especially stone rains you can put it in any deck. Um, but I haven't really been overly scared of anything. I know some people in r and are scared of Amulet of Digger, okay, the cards uh, brace the game resource wise in ways that no other card ever has, those are often dangerous to do. But, we'll see. If, if if everything was safe, all right? If there's like, here's a set. You know, you can't really get excited about anything, okay? You know, treasure hunt, it's fair, okay? We know, uh, so you should know too. It's cooler when, maybe something's not right. Maybe something got through, all right? And you get to be the player that's like, I showed the whole world. that's totally sick and broken. I won thousands of dollars, right? <laughs> that is something we, a uh, quest, I guess we give our players. Yes? Can we talk for a moment about you personally, like doing your leading a first design? All right, so leading a design set is very difficult. I'm not sure that it is uh, what you should do all the time, every day. It's very stressful. You have to oversee other people who are sending you card ideas. You have to be worried about this product is responsible for millions of dollars of revenue to keep this company afloat, to keep all you guys happy, to keep you opening packs, okay? To keep you talking with your friends, right? If you don't have magic, it's not very fun. Maybe you and your friends don't meet on Friday night or something to play friendships get hurt. It's all important stuff, okay? So I take it pretty personally, probably unhealthy, to an unhealthy degree, all right? So I was just constantly worried that every single thing wasn't just right, okay? And I probably could have worried a whole lot less. There's a whole lot of people that make sure that the game runs smoothly, that I can't mess it up that bad, I suppose. But, uh... It's nice to lead design a set and to say, here it is. I can do it. I put awesome green cards in the set for you. Thank, I'm, you. Huh? Thank you. OK, excellent. <laughs> I, know, I know there are fans. I know there's people who love uh, oozes, and Corrupted Zendicon <laughs> goes in their ooze deck, all right? Tom. I, like, I've seen these people. I know they exist, OK? They're not you know, winning lots of money on our pro tour, but they do exist. And you try to hit each of them, okay? Say, so here's a card for you, a card for you, a card for you. Everyone's happy for the most part. Not one single person's overjoyed, but hopefully no one went home crying, okay? They didn't get anything. So um, it's very, very stressful, but it's a very rewarding job because mm-hmm. I get to see everyone having fun. You're on a cruise, the world you're world lake. Everyone seems to be having a good time. All right?
2: It yeah, cruise. Great cruise.
0: Yes? So,
2: playing with WorldWake, what was your one high point experience with your breaking WorldWake cards? Breaking them? Yeah, that's all. I mean, when you're uh,
0: Cracking them. in, in gameplay on this crew. So, I suppose that sometimes you get a design like, Here's a mountain, you can tap. It's gonna die, and you shock your opponent. Somewhere you felt bad, okay? And sometimes when you play it and you don't shock your opponent, you felt bad, all right? At some point, you're like, it's gonna work, all right? So uh, probably the first time that I went, like, land, 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 and then our guys trade, and we got nothing to do, and then I draw my, you know, multi-kicker skitter of lizards, okay? Tap out, four, four, you come across, Alright, that was like, it's gonna work. Okay. These guys are cool, multi is cool. It wants you to play your lands, so the things you have your land falling, you're doing it right. Okay. That was probably just like it's gonna work. It was fun stuff. And I know that there's a lot of I call them fireballs, okay? There's not a lot of tension. Like kicker cards are like, Do you play it now? Do you wanna wait? This is where you can kick it. Multi smart, just do it all the way. Okay. <laughs> so like, that's not very many decisions there. It's like, well, some fireballs are also good for magic. So that's when I uh, said, this is going to work. So this is going to be fun. That's
2: pretty close to wrapping that's up. That's more questions. Has anybody got one? Is there any card that you can talk about that didn't make the set that you wish you probably wish, that, you know, wish made it? it?
0: So the problem is, if there's a card that I like, or really like, like Comet Storm or Stone Idol Trap or something like that, eventually I will put it in a set, okay? I work on enough magic sets, and if it's a fun card, it'll get printed eventually. Okay? Bicho Menace was about seven years in the making, okay? It's like now we have token technology inside the booster pack. Uh, so Bicho Menace had seven years to get done, the cards that didn't make in World Lake that I still like, I mean, I still have them. They're in my head. They're in my uh, Word documents. They're on our wiki. They will get made someday. Alright? Cool magic cards get get made. That's what I can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I guess we'll wrap it up. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. I always like the fatties.